Welcome to the Share What You Learned podcast. I'm Amy Patrisic, a learning enthusiast and the host. The Share What You Learned podcast is designed for learning professionals to share something they're learning in the field of instructional design. Today, I'm talking to Joe Waddington about his recent journey of writing his first conference proposal. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks, Amy. It's so lovely to have you here. Would you mind introducing yourself to us? Sure. My name is Joe Waddington. I'm an e-learning developer designer for the state of Washington, Department of Enterprise Services. We create e-learning for all the state employees, mostly around HR and leadership-oriented stuff, stuff like ethics and sexual harassment, those types of things. I've been in the training field for about 20 years, but I'm, I'm one of those uh, accidental trainers. And I, I started my career out of college as a probation officer and took a position in the training department as a way to get a break from the caseload, thinking, oh, yeah, I just need a year or two break, and then I'll be back. And I never looked back. I never came back, went back to the probation world and just loved the training environment. So I've been here. I've been doing e-learning development full-time for about nine years now, eight or nine years. And this is really where my niche is. I first met Joe through our local ATD chapter and got to chat with him offline and learned that he is truly a whiz at what he does. And despite maybe coming in through the back door, uh, through another profession, golly, he knows his stuff. And I'm so excited to talk with you today about conference proposals because I'm sure you have a wealth of knowledge to share with us and I can't wait to hear all about it. So we're going to like maybe start back at square one here, which is, can you tell us a little bit about DevLearn for those who might be newer to the L&D space? Sure. DevLearn is a uh, conference sponsored by the Learning Guild, formerly the eLearning Guild. Um, and, but it's designed for learning professionals who want to explore some of the emerging ideas, strategies, best practices, and technology in the training world. It is, it is this massive um, conference. They, they do two a year, one in Vegas and one in um, Orlando. That's the place. Uh, and and uh, lots of panels, lots of exhibitors, lots of opportunities to, to network with people who understand the work that we do and understand what it takes to develop quality training. And one of my favorite parts about DevLearn is, is DemoFest. Demo Fest is they clear out the ballroom and they set up a bunch of individual tables and people do demos of stuff that they've developed over the year. And it's a great place to just walk in and look at all the cool stuff that people have done. Try and reverse it, reverse engineer it in your head and go get ideas for, for what you want to do when you get back home. That almost sounds, I love it first of all, but my head immediately went to like science fair projects. Like there's like a room of people standing around showcasing all the cool stuff they've been learning and building. Um, and then they get to showcase it or share it with other people. How fun. Yeah, you know, that, I hadn't thought about that, but it, yeah, it's definitely like that, but it's stuff I care about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Instead of like how to make a volcano, you know, eh, hit or miss. <laughs> uh, very cool. Well, and this last year was a bit unique because the DevLearn, um, the big DevLearn conference that happens in Vegas was uh, virtual, but they're looking to bring it back to a face-to-face -face this coming October, correct? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Right now, they, they're saying that it, it is going to be live, 
and so I I have my fingers crossed. I missed the interaction with the people. I liked the virtual conference. Don't get me wrong; really enjoyed it. But there's something about about just being surrounded by your people, you know. I've never been to Devlin, or not not yet. I haven't checked it off my bucket list. But everyone who goes seems to have great stories, great takeaways, and just wants to like chitter chatter about it for a couple weeks on end because there were so many good nuggets along the way. So it sounds like, as a learning and development professional, it sounds like it's something you don't want to miss out on. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's one of the one of the meccas for us learning developers. I like that. <laughs> Yeah. So DevLearn is the very first conference that you've written your very first proposal for. What drew you to take that leap? Um, it was it was a process. I'm always looking for for ways to kind of change change the way I I experience things. I'd I'd attended a few for three or four years now, and I've always entertained the idea of presenting, but but. It was one of those things. It was nothing ever. I really was ever proactive about. It was kind of a pipe dream, and it just seemed like a lot of work. It still seems like a lot of work. <laughs> but, Appreciate uh, your honesty. We got a new administrator on board. Her name's Wendy Endress. Lovely lady, just amazing. And we were talking about my professional growth and development, and the importance that I be able to continue to to learn about my work. There's there's an old saying that says. Um, even the cobbler's kids need shoes. And I find in, in, in the training world, we spend so much time teaching others and helping others to grow and learn that we don't take time to develop ourselves. And, and so this is, when I first heard this, somebody say this, this kind of became my mantra and my push to, to go and expand my learning. And so I was explaining to her the importance of going to conferences like DevLearn and going out and experiencing these types of events and how that would better the work that I was doing for, for the agency. And it, it, she asked me if I'd ever considered doing a presentation for it. And I'm going, well, kind of, sort of, not really. <laughs> okay. And it was really because of her and and her planting the idea and kind of pushing me to to take that leap. When the call for speakers came out, I I immediately thought of her and my my kind of promise to her that I okay I'll do this, <laughs> kicking and dragging my feet along the way. And she definitely offered she offered to help and kind of be my mentor and guide in this process and watch out for me and, and help me through the process. So yeah, I, I think a, a lot of it I attribute to her is, is kind of forcing me to the to the edge and taking that step. So the power of the gentle nudge. Yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, well, it's that I think so many times we kind of, we do what we're comfortable with. And those things that push us a little bit out of our comfort zone, take that little bit of a nudge to be like, you're right, I should push myself just a little bit and try this new thing. And I'm going to like, just say what you did was not just like a little thing. You did a really big thing. So bravo. <laughs> it, you know, there, there comes a time, I think, where, where some, at some point in the conferences and these types of events will become routine to, to an attendee where they, they go and they think they might've seen it all or have done it all or are, are wondering really what they're, what they're, going to get out of it 
And, and so sometimes just shifting the paradigm just a little bit uh, will help that. I know I, uh, I'm a big geek and I go to geek conferences all the time. And um, so a few years ago, I decided to shift the paradigm and, and instead of just attending, volunteer to work there. And that really changed my focus on, on how I viewed these con conventions and really gave me a different interaction. The next year, I tried to go back as just an attendee, and it, was, it wasn't the same. And so yeah, I, think, I think forcing yourself to, to change that paradigm a little bit um, really brings on new experiences. Absolutely. I can totally see that. And will you ever go back to being just an attendee or no, you can't go back anymore? Not, not, not at the, not at this com conference that I work at. Um, it, it, it totally is a different experience. That's good to know. I think a lot of people don't have that complexity of experience. So a great thing you bring to the table there. Um, so when I'm thinking about writing a proposal, I think, well, there's this thought of like, hmm, what should I put in a proposal to like, I have a submitted proposal. <laughs> so what were some of the resources or people that helped you get from that step one? Hmm, I think I want to submit a proposal to it's actually submitted. Well, when the, when the call came out from the Learning Guild, I, I said, oh, gee, I better, I better submit. And then the next thought was, Oh crap! What do I talk about? <laughs> and and trying to really find out what what I knew enough about to to be able to um, expose on for for thirty to forty five minutes, and then that people would find interesting was was kind of the kind of a tough choice. And so I I again went to Wendy and and asked her a little bit, and and, and she helped me narrow it down to my work with um, communities of practice within the state. I'd helped stand up two different e-learning communities of practice, one with the Department of Labor and Industries, and then again at the statewide level in Department of Enterprise Services. And so it was really that experience of, of trying to build a, a community of practice and, and identify the values behind it, what what it brings to the table, why they're important, and and maybe a little bit of a case study approach to to what we had to do at at the agency and statewide level to get people to come. And so that was that was the first was just trying to figure out what am I going to talk about. So after the after I landed on what the topic was, it was okay. How do I do this? How do I write this proposal? And the the learning guild is is very community friendly they are very good at at helping people who who whether it's your first time at one of their conferences or in this case the first time submitting in a proposal for one of their conferences and they had a webinar a couple of weeks after the announcement came out and it was hosted by or facilitated by bianca woods and mark Britz. i think that's his last name and they are the they are the people who are going to be making the decisions around whether your proposal gets selected or not. And so they're doing the pre-screening of of these entries. And they had this webinar that said, "Hey, if you're a first-time proposal, first time submitting a proposal, come join us." And it was an open Q and A. It wasn't, "Hey, here's how to do it." It was just 
ask us any question, we'll answer it. Because if you have the question, 10 to 1, all these other people do as well. That really helped me identify what I was missing in the process. They had some really good guides on how to write a proposal, what worked, what didn't work, um, a really good example of, of what a good proposal looked like and what it included. And it, it helped me understand that, that my proposal had to be more than just a catchy title and in order to get people to, to attend. One of the other things that they offered was a pre-screening of your proposal. So if you got it done before the deadline, you could send it to them and they would send it back to you with their thoughts and notes on how to make it better. And so I got mine done. I bounced it off all my all the people around me and then finally sent it in. And Bianca Woods got back to me and really helped me focus and flesh out the ideas. Um, take it from a presentation that anybody could do to a pre presentation that really applied to me and my story and my experiences. Um, she helped identify the gaps that I had in, in my proposal and really helped me make it my own. I think what I love in all of that is that the Learning Guild isn't trying to keep everything behind this secret mystery curtain, but that they really like peeled it back and said, this is what it takes to, to be considered and, and to potentially uh, join the conference. And I think I, I would feel so empowered, like I had the keys to unlock the thing. Definitely. You know, um, sometimes you go to some of these conferences and it's the same people speaking over and over and over again. It, it really wasn't that. You, you get the feeling that they are looking for new faces, new voices, new, new people to, to join in the fold. Don't get me wrong. There, there are some people who, who, who present regularly at the, at the conferences. And there are some people that as soon as I see their name on the list, I'll go flock to their panel. Okay, that's a must go. Um, but it's, it, they are really open to the idea of having a broad spectrum of, of things that they, of topics for their, for their panels and having a broad spectrum of speakers for it. Fantastic. If you could do this all over again, the process of writing a proposal, is there anything that you would do differently in your preparation process? I, I think I would have reached out more to the people in my network looking for people who had done this process before. I was going in completely blind and really wasn't sure of, of what it would take. I thought I could just come there with an idea and a catchy title and, and be able to BS my way through the process and get there. <laughs> um, it, it, took, it took more work than I was expecting to do to, to get it ready. It, it wasn't hard work. It wasn't heavy lifting, but it, it was just, like I said, I thought it would be something that I could just um, fake my way through. It was interesting because shortly after I submitted my proposal, um, I posted on, on LinkedIn, hey, I got my proposal done. Yay me. Now it's, now it's the hurry up and wait process, right? And um, immediately I started hearing from people saying, hey, I just did my first proposal too, or last year was my first time getting in and I got accepted or, 
and then there's some of the there were there were a couple of people hey i've submitted five or six times and i just got accepted and so if if i'd been a little bit more proactive i think reaching out to that network for for their experience and and their ideas in going through this process especially those who'd been through it several times and maybe hadn't got accepted the first time but got accepted the the fifth or sixth time what changed or what shifted on on their end to make that happen well i think one of the things that stood out to me was just the humility you offered in that linkedin post that's how i i knew that you did this and then reached out to you and said hey let me, i would love to hear what you're learning from that and chat with you on the podcast about it and i think you know to put yourself out there in that way and not know if your proposal's been accepted yet is pretty courageous and so i'm just giving you like a virtual high five bravo my friend bravo well and you know i'm 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 not super active on LinkedIn. I go there. I, I, I'm kind of a lurker on LinkedIn. Um, look at all the cool stuff that everybody else is doing. And so, and what blew me away was this is probably, this post was probably my most active post that I've ever made. And it's like, wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's, in, that's incredible. You're leaving a footprint. I love it. So what words of encouragement or advice would you give to someone who's never submitted a proposal as well? I would say take advantage of the resources that you have available to you. Attend any webinars or any help that the, the conference is willing to offer, whether it's Learning Yield ATD or, or any of these other groups. Do some pre-screening ahead of time. Bounce your proposal off of your peers, your mentors, your coworkers, anybody who's willing to take by the five minutes that it is to read to read your proposal and give you feedback. Look to those people around you that, that can act as, as sounding boards. And everybody has some good feedback and everybody wants to see you succeed. And so utilize them. For for the Learning Guild, definitely go to their website. I, like you said, they're very open to having a diverse group of speakers and very helpful in that process. Their website alone for, hey, hey, do you want to speak at our conference is amazingly helpful. Lots of questions, lots of FAQs, lots of resources for, for those people who are doing it for the first time. And then don't be afraid to take that leap. Take that step. Uh, it's it's definitely an adventure. And even if I don't get selected throughout this, through this process, it will be something that I'll go, yeah, okay. And maybe I'll do it again next year. I don't know that Wendy will give me a choice. She might kind of keep nudging me and pushing me off that cliff. Just, the nudges are going to get less and less subtle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that. I think um, it is scary. And to hear, for me, someone who's never submitted a conference proposal, to hear that there are resources out there. I know firsthand that I can speak for not for, but about uh, Bianca Wood specifically, that she was posting stuff on LinkedIn saying, if you have questions, please reach out to me and was really offering that direct contact for people to, for her as a resource. And so I'm, I'm encouraged and I don't know, maybe someday you'll find me speaking at a conference. Who knows? I am definitely there if you are. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you. <laughs> well, let's transition over to our rapid round questions, Joe. Okay. We're starting out with learning is social. It, it really is. It's when, when you want to learn something, 
you know, you go to the interwebs or you go to the go to the YouTubes and, and look for resources. But sometimes it takes just talking to somebody and going, "How do I do this?" to to really learn. And so, learning is definitely a social aspect. I will put both of my hands up. I'm a big time social learner. I'd much rather talk to someone about a thing than read about a thing, and I will learn it so much faster when I talk to a person about it. Well, you know, um, right now I'm trying to. I've been playing disc golf. And I suck at it. <laughs> and and I just, I've watched YouTube videos going, okay, yeah, that's not helping me. I'm to the point now where I need to go find a coach and find somebody who's going to be stand right there and ne next to me and tell me why my throws aren't going as far as everybody else's. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see where that journey takes you. You will be <laughs> an amazing disc golfer before we know it, I'm sure. <laughs> I'd be happy to just be an adequate discover at this point. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Joe, when you're mustering up the courage to learn something new, what song do you put on? Spotify playlists. It, it, I don't know that I have uh, any one song that I go to. When, when I'm in the work and grind mode, it's, it's, um, it's instrumental music. Um, when, I'm, when I'm in the grind of working and, and just want some background noise. Um, it can be everything from musicals to heavy metal. It really depends. I love I, it. Yeah, I, I have a very eclectic taste. Uh, and so I don't know that I have one song. It really just depends on the, on the mood I, that I'm in. And so Spotify playlists just help that a lot. That's what the... the... The Spotify, I don't know why I'm calling it that. That's why Spotify is there, right? We just create the playlist, we find the playlist, we jam. That's what we do. Yep. Joe, you're asked to do a brand new task with a skill set you do not yet have. Where do you turn? Google. Google is my friend. And if I don't know something, I will turn to Google. And because there, there's, there's a rule on the internet that if you can think it, it probably exists on the internet. And, and so I, I'm getting old and I, my memory's like a sieve. And so I've had to go back and re relearn things. I was in working in Photoshop the other day and, and it's going, how do I do that? I know I know how to do that. Quick Google search. Okay. That's how we do it. I commonly refer to Google as the all-knowing Google. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, but let's ask the all-knowing Google. Like it will know. <laughs> Without learning, fill in the blank. Without learning, life is stagnant. We are always learning. Some more often than others. But um, if you don't take time to learn, learn something, learn something new regularly, you grow stagnant. And, and so I think, yeah, you, you have to continue to learn or, or you become this vegetable on the couch. I do like vegetables, but vegetable on a couch, no fun. <laughs> Joe, what's the best way for someone to get in contact with you after the show if they maybe are wanting to write their first conference proposal or just wanting to get to know you a little bit better? LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach out to me if you want to just get together, pick my brain, or chat. Well, thanks so much, Joe, for sharing all about your process of learning conference proposals today. Be sure to check out DevLearn to register for this year's conference. I also want to give a shout out to you, my listeners, for learning with us today. Until next time, stay open, receptive, and kind.